Hey, hey, what's up, Chad? Yo, sorry, get, still getting set up. How's it going, Kyle? Yo, not too bad, man. How you doing? Good, good. Is uh, Thoreau coming with us here, or is he uh, not making it today? No, I believe he's out today. All right, we'll have to do without him. Another boring week in Thorchain land. Yep. <laughs> Another boring week? I don't think there's ever been a boring week. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be Thorchain if there wasn't something going on every week. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's crazy because there's like, comparatively, there's so few people like working on this stuff, but there's always like so much stuff that's actually going on. And, and this is just like the core, the core stuff, not even talking about the other like ecosystem projects that are, that are, uh, it's always something. Yeah, going yeah, on. yeah. Yeah. This team is very small. It's a bit, I don't people, I don't think people know how, how tiny the, the dev team is, especially compared to other projects. Like, I mean, I know projects that have, you know, people in the hundreds. Uh, which is like crazy to think, but it, it does happen. But we try to say f- a small, focused, uh, streamlined. You know, uh, hire people who are of high value and not tr- not try to like get into the place of middle management. I think we've always kind of said that like if, if if the time ever comes where you know we looking at uh, middle management, then something's wrong. We, we we've lost our way. Yeah, I mean, it feels good having a small team because you don't have that that layer where things just kind of get stuck and the you know like the the top isn't really communicating to the bottom. They, they have to go through that that middle person, right? And that's kind of what creates the inefficiency that just it really slows down the whole process and you know doesn't let us move it at the speed that uh, you know that that we can yeah. and with the efficiency that we do. Yeah, we've always been fans of like the fast pace especially in the early days it's coming less and less true with time as more and more people are getting involved and the project's getting larger uh, in terms of like the community's getting larger and there's more uh, voices being heard and that kind of stuff so it does naturally slows things down from a depth perspective but that's the way you know decentralization works things think it's the more decentralized something gets the basically the slower it gets as well because you don't have this overarching ceo that's kind of telling everybody what to do and when to do it and how to do it and there's no discussion well i guess speaking of that we can start with the next chain vote uh <laughs> which just ended uh last night i believe and it looks like uh well i think i think finance smart chain had the most votes and uh, and then uh, haven obviously received a, a ton of votes as well so uh yeah what was your takeaways from this whole the next vote thing? i mean to me I, I was a bit surprised just because it felt uh, more dramatic than I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. like, all, like people started to vote and like Haven was winning. And then it was like, even for a while, then like one night all of a sudden, like Haven pulled away a bunch of votes. And it, it seemed like for a while that Haven was going to, you know, had this thing in the bag. And then all of a sudden, just like, just over, like overnight, just, it just woke up one morning. And I'm like, Oh crap, look at this. Like a huge shift in the community towards buying smart chain. So, it was quite kind of dramatic in some ways, but but I love to see the community getting involved and voting and, and and voicing their perspectives and that kind of stuff. So it, it, overall, I was really happy with it. Yeah, um, you're right. It does it does bring a lot of like I, I don't want to call it drama, but that it's it's in the same wheelhouse, you know. <laughs> like it, if it's not drama, it's drama's cousin. <laughs> like it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it it just makes things a little bit more like politicized i i get because everyone's got like their own stance and, and opinion on, no, on, I, on these things obviously everyone wants to go their own the, the community did a good job in general like of not getting vicious right and not getting like you know yelling at other people and and 
you know, being quite negative people. I think people had really like positive and productive conversations. And for the most part, uh, in, in the chats and whatever about, you know, the, the, the pros and the cons and merits, the, the issues with either or, um, chains. So it was going to be fascinating for me. I, I think like once we move forward after these, uh, uh, two, which got a significant amount of, um, support from the community, then what's going to be next is that Reagan's going to jump into Dash or are these people who voted for, uh, buying smart chain or Haven going to vote for, Monero or like, who knows? It's, it's going to be kind of exciting to see what the next step is from the community perspective. Yeah. So it's like speaking about their results just a little bit more. Um, so Binance, Binance Smart Chain won, and all, but also uh, the core team is volunteering to work on the, the Haven client or where they're working with the Haven team. Do you, you want to just like say what the, the core team is doing with, uh, with the Haven team right now? Yeah, yeah. And if they're working on Haven? Yeah, I mean, the core team has been working with Haven for a very long period of time, for like a year and a half or something like this. So there's, there's nothing really quite new about it. We've always kind of supported them and encouraged it. You know, so we're, we're just spending more time this, this past week and this current week to kind of um, dedicate more energy towards them and just assisting them to get to get them across the finish line. Uh, at the same time, I think Nine Realms is, is going to be started working on the Binance Smart Chain integration, which is in their wheelhouse because they, they just did AVAX, and AVAX is a fork of Ethereum, and Binance Smart Chain is a fork of Ethereum. So, well, AVAX is not a fork of Ethereum, but the code is going to be a fork of, of the Ethereum implementation. And so, it's already in their wheelhouse. They've already done it once before recently, and so you know that those muscles are already stretched and ready to go. So I think I think it's actually going to be quite uh, an efficient use of time in the end. But at the same time, like both of these things are probably are heading towards StageNet, both Binance Smart Chain and Haven. Um, but the decision of whether or not Haven or Binance Smart Chain goes to Mainnet is a different topic and a different uh, different vote that's going to happen, you know, downstream. So once we get those chains added, and whenever we feel like they've been vetted enough and had enough, you know time to confirm their, their uh, reliability, security, and resiliency, uh, then it will put up to a vote and people will vote, you know, yes or no on Haven, yes or no on Binance Smart Chain. And that will require a two-thirds majority vote and refer it to pass. So if Haven doesn't get two-thirds majority, then privacy doesn't get added for Haven, right? And if it doesn't happen for Binance Smart Chain, then doesn't happen there either. So, in the end, uh, the vast majority of the of the of the network or the community has to agree to add a chain before it gets actually added. Right, and there, there's many months I would think before something like that would would happen, where the you know the final decision needs to be made by the nodes whether to uh, say yes, we're we're taking it, or like no, that's a that, that's a veto. So, like there's many months to to go before you know these implementations are ready and also i'm just like speaking on behalf of, of nine realms um like ad adding new chains is you know all well and good but you know we're still we're still primarily focusing on just the the protocol and you know just just uh cleaning things up and we've you know other features and, and things that we want to get out there uh and and test and the you know, obviously there's a lot of priorities so like adding adding a new chain isn't always on the the top of the priority list. So I, I do have a, a question for you about um, like, how do you think that like, obviously we can't keep adding new chains forever. So how do you think we find out, like, how do you, how do you think the community determines that it's done adding new chains? We've covered enough volume and we have enough basically to, to ossify new chains being added to the network. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's an interesting and, and kind of a, um, a complex question. 
um, the node operators have to do an analysis. And it's primarily two things. Um, one is the security of adding a new chain. So, you know, if we were to add, for example, a uh, bias chain kind of like this, because it's a, it's a highly centralized chain, all the, all the nodes are run in CZ's basement, right? And so um, the question becomes, do we want to expose ourselves to a centralized entity, being CZ or the more accurately Binance? That's a debate that the community can have and whether or not we do or do not and the risks that come involved with that concept. Um, that's the first part is thinking about the security implications or the risks here. Older chains are more stable and they don't, they, they generally pose less of a risk than newer chains. Uh, newer chains can be quite like nimble and still making large changes to the protocol and, and can create issues for us downstream. Uh, so that's another thing to be considered of in terms of security and those kind of things. And the other thing that we have to think about is just the economics of it because as a node operator, uh, you have to run these new chains. And that comes at a cost to node operators if they spin up more resources and infrastructure to support that new chain. And so they have to make a calculus of, is it worth the money that I'm spending every month to support this new chain, whether it be Haven or buying a smart chain or whatever, uh, is the additional value to the rune asset and the value to the, to the, to the trade volume and TVL and all these things, uh, is that, you know, worthwhile? Right. Um, and that's a debate that each individual person can come, come down on one side or the other. Uh, and everybody can kind of debate about that, that concept and, and what makes the most sense for the community. Uh, it's a hard thing to do. It's kind of like licking your finger, sticking it up in the wind. Um, some are going to be more expensive than others. Like Solana would be very expensive because it's a very intense requirements and infrastructure. But a chain like, you know, Haven is relatively cheap because it's, um, it's like a simple uh, fork of a UTXO, so the demands on the on the for resources are quite relatively small, and so that all comes into the calculus, right? Um, the other thing to worry about too is that be considered of is um, we only have so much security on this network, right? We only have so much bond, so much capital that can be stored by this network, you know, some dollar figure, and so how much do we want to splinter that capital, right? Like if we add a thousand chains. Well then, how big can the how deep can the Bitcoin pool really get, right? If you're if you have a thousand different chains, so uh, uh, so to speak, and so that becomes kind of the debate too of like, do we want to utilize kind of precious security space in the pools for some new chain that you know maybe not offer a whole lot of value or, or, or importance, right? And you can make that argument for Haven because it's relatively a small, a small chain; it's not going to be adding. I mean, it's not going to take up much uh, space in terms of uh, security, but uh, the question becomes like, is it worth the, the energy, right? And I, that's also a debatable topic. Yeah, there's a lot of variables there. And I, I think, do you think that um, we, we would know if it's too many chains before the integration happened? Or do you think it would be more like we integrate something and it's like, well, that, you know, maybe we didn't actually actually need that and we just kind of spent a whole time a whole bunch of time you know putting it you know say we're up to like you know 25 chains uh like a, a year or two from now right like is it going to happen once uh once something's added and then uh like oh man that was like this is probably the limit right here like that that one was too much yeah i mean i, I think it's more likely that going to happen after the fact like uh the room price is directly relational to this to this question right because if, if room goes down to 50 cents let's just say right that means that nodes are probably basically earning at least you know four x less yield than they're adding to earning today which basically means that the cost of running an aws node is more expensive than the, than the yield that they're that they're earning 
right? And that becomes obviously a problem at that point. That then you can start having the conscience at that point, like, okay, we're we're running too hot here. Um, we're not making profit here. So as node operators, we want to remove X, Y, and Z chains or some something of this nature. That could totally happen one day. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem in the long term, though, just because uh, if if Rune is what I hope it to be, and it becomes a widely used uh, deck between uh, chains, then the Rune price will eventually hit some sort of value that it'll you know never go below you know some number, some larger number than much larger number than it is. I don't want to say numbers now because I don't want to uh, price up hypothecate or anything like this. But uh, at some point, you know. Once the price hits a certain number, then the cost of the node operators to run these this infrastructure is so small relative that it is probably not even a part of the conversation anymore. Just because I mean they'll they'll in my view there'll be a day when, when the node operators are gonna be earning, you know, millions of dollars per week of per month, excuse me, uh, you know, in the future. That's years away, of course. But if that was the case, then like, you know whether or not you're spending an extra $3,000 to run a Solana node or not, who, who gives a shit at that point, right? It's such an insignificant <laughs> number relative to what the income is being made. The The issue now is that because Rune is still relatively a young coin and a young network, and we're in a bear market where the Rune's price is around $2, we're kind of more, that, that number is more, uh, you know, makes sense to talk about today. But I don't think people will care about it, you know, in five five years or so yeah that's a good point especially like you're talking about running a solana node like right now everyone's like oh you know it's really expensive but if node operators are making you know five times as much as they did today uh it, it's a no-brainer to put solana on there and, and up that a little bit more you know you have up the cost but you're also just uh, you know just completely changing the the whole dynamics of the network just based on like how much volume there's going to be and a whole new set of users and you know all, all those types of things so that, that's that's a really good point just that the price of rune is actually a factor when it comes to the, the economics of adding a new chain or not yeah it's the price of rune but also the trade volume too how much how much yield the network itself is, right. is making and during a bull, bull market you'll see a lot more trade volume just naturally and during a bear market you're gonna see a lot less trade volume just because of those macro things happening and so you know nodes will make you know crazy big uh, amount of money you know into the future probably in the next bull market um in my opinion at least and which is not financial advice by the way or, or legal advice for running the things but uh yeah it, it'll be it's, it's an issue it's an issue we should talk about these days but i don't think people will talk about it much uh, after this bear market sweet so that leads us into the next chain which is avax and it looks like the rollout is probably going to start for avax uh, probably start uh, next week. And uh, uh, if you haven't been here for one of these new chain rollouts, they do take a little bit of time just because of all the things that need to happen to get the new chain on uh, live. But I, I don't believe the validators started uh, running that uh, the AVAX C-chain, uh, you know, daemons, the, the nodes for AVAX, are they? I haven't seen anything like that. What? Sorry, I got a phone call and I cut everything out for me. Can you say it again? You hear me? Is this thing working? Cal, can you hear me? Okay. Nope. We're getting rugged. All right, let's get Chad back up here. Oh, he's gone. Hey, there we go. We we got rugged for a minute there. Can you hear me? Yep. Sorry about that. I got a I got a phone call which just broke fucking everything apparently. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. Technology. <laughs> Sorry. Can you ask your question again? Uh oh yeah, it's just talking about the the AVAX rollout. So um, right now our 
our nodes aren't currently running the AVAX statement. They aren't running the AVAX chain currently and observing new blocks. I, I haven't seen any, any announcements for that. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it might have gone out uh, in 95.1, but let me check uh, if my computer would actually do things for me. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no, it looks like there is an avalanche statement. Uh, well, either oh, way, there's a bunch of things that need to happen for... The, the new chain to go live, including all the nodes spinning up an avalanche daemon and, uh, you know, set, setting setting trading to a certain value to make sure that, uh, you know, trades can't be started before this, the vault is uh, generated. And then a, new, a churn needs to happen to generate an Asgard vault for AVAX. And then and then it's pretty much ready to go. All of the, you know, a vote needs to happen to flip me. A switch needs to be flipped. And then AVAX is live on... Uh, Thorchain, we can we can start with the rollout there. Uh, you know, people can add liquidity, make swaps, use the Dex aggregator, uh, which is going to roll out with the the chain integration. So uh, that, that process is going to start next week. It looks like. Yeah, I, I think probably by the end of the week next week we'll have AVEX live and running on mainnet, most likely. Assuming that um, I think we already did we already vote on that one. I think we already voted on that one. Yeah, right? yeah, that that one's already voted. Yeah. Okay. Um, Actually, I, mean, I was talking to, uh, I think it was Pluto, or I can't remember if it was Pluto or Danis, I think it was Pluto, and about changing the, the process of which new chains are kind of uh, enabled, like on the chain, and get to be a lot, a lot less hands-off from a mere admin perspective. And I think what we're going to, I think what's going to happen is, and I'm not 100% sure about this, is that um, on the next churn, and again, I have to check with Pluto on this, and uh, but... I think on the next churn, it'll just go ahead and create an address and then it'll just be live. And, and we have to wait for the nodes to like to, to build their AVAX daemons and, and kind of sync up to the tip. But once that happens, once you have a two thirds majority that syncs to the tip, then theoretically, um, you know, everything is live and you can now start adding liquidity and trading and, and, and doing all those things. Sweet. And aggregator. So swap in, swap out. Uh, ARC twenty tokens to like pretty much anything, including ERC twenty tokens. So that like really really exciting to being able to skip the AVAX bridge there and just go straight cross chain. Uh, and th- there was a really cool a tweet from uh, from uh, the one of the ThorSwap devs th- this week. It's been the first transaction of its kind. I'm I'm fairly fairly sure. Uh, just going from an ARC twenty token on AVAX on 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 ThorChain StageNet to uh, a like a Uniswap ERC-20 token. I think they went to Thor. So then they went from ARC-20, you know, long, long tail asset on, uh, you know, on, on AVAX C-Chain to ERC-20 on Ethereum, yeah. which is like super cool. And one transaction, one, one signing, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's how it should be, right? Like there's no need to overcomplicate things and make it difficult on users to be able to transact and do what they're trying to accomplish. And things are very complicated and, and very complex in the background, and it takes a lot of time and energy and effort to get, to get those things working. But there's no necessity for the u- end user to understand what's all the things that's, that's happening, right? Uh, including needing to make several transactions to to get the asset they're trying to acquire. So this is part of like this is the ideology of like this is how it sh- crypto should be easy, right? And, and it's not in many many ways today, but it should be easy. I think this is just one step in that direction. I've also been learning a lot about uh, different types of wrapped assets or different types of assets and wrapped assets on Avalanche C-Chain. I've been doing some, some research on this. So uh, yeah, let, let me let me just share what I, what I learned this mm-hmm. week about 
uh, specifically like USDC. So like I, if you if you looked at like I haven't really used Avalanche that much. So like I'm I'm familiar with it, but I, I haven't used it that much. So just looking into this, there's like USDC.e, and then there's just USDC. And so both of them are like the, this USDC stablecoin, right? USDC-E, there's a little, little dot E at the end of it. It's, uh, you know, they're both on the Avalanche, you know, they're both ARC-20 net, uh, coins, right? But the, the, the dot E is just wrapped uh, ERC-20, uh, you know, circle. Like it, it can't be redeemed directly through circle, but it's just, it's wrapped on the AVAX bridge. Yeah. But Aval- but circle also issues a USDC coin directly on uh, Avalanche, which can be, you know, re- re- directly redeemed with their, their own services, right? So like there's different types of, like basically like the same coin, like a wrapped version. And then like the, you could like the quote unquote, the real version, which is actually uh, just directly redeemable one-to-one for, uh, you know, dollars through the, the centralized company circle. So it's like very interesting seeing that there's like, you know, one asset, two different types of the same asset, right. but like one has this extra custodial risk of being on a bridge and then like you have to unwrap it and then redeem it through Circle, or you could just have the actual asset and then just give it to the company to redeem it. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, and I'm not an AVAX expert by any stretch of imagination, but uh, I think what that's happening there is that there's there's multiple different types of chains within AVAX. So there's like a C chain, other types of chains, yep. and so uh, Circle operates on one of those chains, and then to 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 get that asset on another chain, they have to do like a wrap thing within AVAX. Um, which, you know, more power to them if they want to run things that way. Yeah, it was interesting to me seeing that there's like different, you know, basically different like issuances of the same USCC token, like one like kind of unofficially issued by like by their bridge and then one like officially, you know, quote unquote, issued by uh, the, by the company that issues the, the, the token itself, which is like, you know, it's it, just interesting way of doing things. And just like it's something I wanted to point out, especially when it comes to, you know, we talk a lot about wrapped assets and the, custodial risk that uh, that a wrapped asset has because obviously you need the collateral that that's on that it's on a it's on a bridge in order to back that that wrapped asset so i was like kind of diving into that to see like what the different uh like what what the difference is between all these tokens and and it came across that like interesting little thing yeah absolutely so like if there's people that like know a lot about avalanche or especially people that run like avalanche spaces or whatever we should definitely get them up here sometime and just you know just learn learn a little bit from the avalanche community like I, i'm sure there's people in the avalanche space that do these kinds of twitter spaces all the time yeah we should we, we'd be good to uh, organize one uh next week for the with the avax like people right of getting a, a spaces together where they can we can talk to both communities yeah man looking forward to that <laughs> So if anyone knows anybody, definitely send them our way. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. We'll, if anyone we'll, knows we'll, any influencers or, or smart people within the AVAX community, let us know. We'll reach out to them and try to organize a space with them and, and kind of talk things out. Cool, cool. All right, what else we got? Um, single-sided yield, is are all of those PRs merged to uh, to mainnet now? And we're going to start uh, testing those things on StageNet for single-sided yields? Yep, yep. I think, um, to my knowledge... Uh, Nine Realms is going to start vetting and, and verifying all that code, make sure it works as expected. Um, they're meeting up; they're doing a, like an all hands meeting uh, next week, and um, I think that's part of the on the docket of that 
of that meeting is to of that kind of a two day kind of all hands thing to, to kind of go through the, and document what they're you know testing, how they're going to test it, and the whole plan and all that kind of stuff. Once they feel good and confident about those things, they'll make a recommendation to the community saying we feel this thing is ready. We've tested it, verified it. The community is open and available to test it and verify it themselves individually. Um, and we feel we've solved all the bugs or whatever it might be. And then it goes up to our vote for the community to, on the node operators to vote on enabling um, uh, this feature, which will probably be limited in the beginning of like, you know, that it'll only deploy X amount of rune into the uh, into the um, POL, uh, which, will, which will limit the amount of um, synths that can be used for single-sided yield. Uh, and then we'll kind of, similar we did raise the caps before, we'll just kind of start small, start targeted, make sure everything's working good in, in, in mainnet and production. And then as we feel more confident and comfortable with it, we can start kind of uh, increasing that limit and eventually just take the limit off entirely. Sweet. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And it's going to be a process to get uh, to get everything tested and everything like that. Uh, so, we're, yeah, we're going to come up with a plan next week and then get started on that. And like obviously, like that's one of our biggest priorities is just getting single-sided yield out there because that is just a, such a huge product for Thor, for Thorchain, obviously, and uh, really going to change the game there. Just, just you know, increasing like what's available in this entire space. Uh, yeah. Single-sided yield is the, is the holy grail, and we, we want to get that out like as soon as possible once we know it's safe. So that's like pretty much uh, one of the highest possible priorities here. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually was talking to somebody um, this week, and somebody who's a very well-known and, and famous person in the industry, and I probably should not name him who that person is, but uh, they were very excited about this whole single-sided yield, and they were talking to me about um, creating a service to wrap this just this, this one thing, like just trying to create a new product for themselves and for their people and whatever, um, their, their circles, uh, to wrap this thing and, and, and create a, a separate product that just, this empowers that, um, which would be huge because that, that person, you know, has a lot of, um, uh, connections and, and, and it's well, kind of well-known, well-respected in the, in the, not only just Thorchain community, but in the, in the general cryptocurrency community, especially in the Bitcoin community. And so like, that would be, that would be huge. That would just drive huge volumes into the network, which would be, you know, obviously much appreciated. Yeah. I mean, any, any company being able to integrate single side, it's just such a big product. You could onboard so many users and make your own yeah, users absolutely. happy. I mean, imagine if Celsius, <laughs> you, you use those, uh, that, that product instead of uh, whatever the fuck they did. I mean, I, 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 I tell you guys a kind of an inside, inside track story about that. Um, we, as, as a, as a project and in the communications that I've had with various teams and such we've always struggled historically with you know getting on the roadmap of celsius and and blockfide and and other kind of large institutions like that and then something happened i don't i, I don't know what happened they're just like we got put on some kind of list somewhere i don't know i can't explain it all of a sudden almost at the same time we got reached out to via like BlockFi and Celsius and Nexo and da, 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 like a bunch of different things. And they were all like real bullish on Thorchain very quickly and very suddenly. And they were going to list the token and they were going to add liquidity and they were going to like, cause they each man, each of those managed like billions of dollars of liquidity. Um, and they were going to add a bunch of 
you know, capital into the network, but they were hesitant to do so because they didn't want to take on that 50% rune exposure, right? They want they, they have an obligation to their constituents to raise, you know, to give them yield on their on their BDC or yield on their ETH or whatever. Uh, and of course, there's not really much places to actually generate BDC yield on. Uh, it was like GBDC, basically like almost the only place you can do it. And so they were, they were all of a sudden very interested in this. And so they didn't want to go on that rune exposure. So we tried to talk to them about like doing a thing where the, the treasury was going to lend them a bunch of rune uh, to kind of remove that rune exposure for them. And then they would give us the rune back, you know, later on, blah, 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 whatever. And we got these conversations, but then it became problematic because uh, then they have to manage the room, right? And, and for a lot of those companies, they don't actually manage their own assets. They use something like Fireblocks, like an asset management company to manage their assets, which became another kind of thing, a uh, problematic thing of like, well, Fireblocks doesn't actually support Rune right now. And why would they? It's too early for them probably anyway. So then we actually spent the time, which took me only like, it only took me a few hours to do. Like it was actually quite simple. Where I actually created a PR that you change ThorChain that you could create a Thor chain that was like an asset management chain rather than just a DeFi thing. So it, basically it's like it's Thor chain. You can build your own Thor chain minus the DeFi and just be like a big giant wallet that, you know, that you and other people could, could kind of manage as the administrators of this network. Uh, and so it ended up just being like a lot of like barriers in, in the way, right. In order to get all this large amount of capital from, Nexo from Celsius, from BlockFi, from these kind of characters. And so then that's what kind of triggered us to look back into this problem. Like, how do we do single-sided yield? Which is when the idea came about POL, blah, 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 and all these things that, that kind of made it practical and possible to actually have, uh, you know, single-sided yield of BDC and ETH and whatnot, which solved the problem. Because now they can just provide the BDC, which there's already being supported by Fireblocks or, or their asset management company. They don't have to take on room exposure. They don't have to take any, they don't have to talk to you know, the treasury to us and get a loan, blah, 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 like all of that kind of uh, bullshit and, and hurdles that just were in the way just kind of get wiped away, you know, almost instantaneously. And now they can just like, oh, we have BBC, let's just put BBC in the network and then we earn more BBC and we've, you know, satisfied our customers. That was really kind of how this whole feature kind of came about in, in, in a sense, right? And so now that we've actually finally got there, of course, Celsius and, and BlockFi and so forth are kind of like struggling because uh, they had the whole explosion with UST and all that kind of stuff. But the the functionality, the feature that we've added is quite significant because we now know that there are large you know, uh, institutions with literally billions of dollars of capital at, at their at their will to that they want to produce BDC uh, and other asset yield on is now going to be readily available to them in a way that wasn't feasible or possible before. And so that's why I feel that this feature is going to be like a, a huge game-changing one of the most important features of the, of the network even has in general and how it's going to drive massive amount of yield, uh, massive amount of uh, TVL into the pools and, and kind of be able to outpace a lot of other projects in some sense or form. So I'm super excited about it. And that, that's kind of a long-winded story that hopefully if people find that fascinating or interested to have the, how this whole feature came about. Yeah, no, that's really interesting, actually. And that's that's something you brought up a couple of weeks ago. I, I remember we were talking about the uh like basically stripping away all the DeFi off of thorchain and it's just a it's it's a rotating tss vault that basically it's like some non-custodial solution for you know multi-chain asset management which is like an interesting product on its own maybe you know maybe not like the uh 
the like the best implementation of it but uh like it, it's a very interesting product because anyone can basically uh custody assets on multiple different chains with with other parts like it, it's a multi-sig for um for any asset on any chain basically that anyone can run so like i wonder like i mean i don't know if you're still considering building out that as a uh as a product in itself but like it, it's an interesting solution and definitely one for the this like new age of uh uh you know especially now that's been proven that it works with with Thorchain itself, like it, it seems like a really good like asset management solution. Yeah, I think it actually is a big feature on itself. Uh, it obviously, it's separate from Thorchain and the DeFi space and and the, the general what we do here. But um, it took almost very little. I mean, that's kind of this is kind of an uh, a tribute to how well Thorchain is uh, designed as a as a code base. Is it took almost no changes to to, to do that. It actually took it took me like a couple hours just to make a couple small things and. Then, yeah, away we go to create one of the most powerful and flexible asset management tools we've ever seen in the entire space. Now you can have a way of managing assets in a permissioned way within like, you know, Galaxy Digital, for example, could use it and they run their own nodes and they can sign transactions and, and be able to connect to, you know, any and all of the chains that ThorChain connects to without needing to worry about, um, you know, the intricacies of each individual chain and, and, and the fact that we run ThorChain with, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of value kind of proves of its reliability, you know, and security in, in, in a sense, right? And so I actually think that's going to be a big, big product onto itself in the future, but it, people won't even know it's there for probably another four or five years. <laughs> like it, it's just going to sit there in the background and like nobody, it's going to be like a hidden feature for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden people will realize that like, Institutions, not so much individuals, but institutions will play, or maybe even fireblocks. Who the fuck knows? But like, we'll start using it. You know, once they realize what's how it's there, how 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 helpful it is. Yeah, I, I mean that's something that we're super bullish on at Nine Realms. It's probably like one of the one of the reasons why like you know so many of us are excited about about Thorchain is just like the the, the whole rotating threshold signature threshold signature vault uh, like schema is just. You know, it, it, it's pretty incredible, and in, in just how it makes uh, it makes things more more trustless, and you know, validators can come in and out of the network. And I, I'm also remembering that that's something that we talked a lot about at uh, at consensus in that in that panel that we did. Um, and and the, the video is just out, so I just put I just you know put a link up on the top to the video of the panel that we did at consensus 2022 at the cross chain expo um that was there so uh, we we talk a lot about the the rotating threshold signature vaults and like why that's that's such a uh just a, a big change in the way that uh these custodial solutions can go you, you know you either use a multi-sig or you use one of these uh rotating threshold signature vaults or you know it's either it's either trust trusted a trusted system or it's this kind of trustless system so it's just like well it's just one of the biggest innovations that is just it's not really even understood outside this space <laughs> like it, it's it's probably barely understood by by a lot of people in this space but uh it, it's like one of the biggest innovations here for sure and something that like we're super bullish on so yeah and yeah threshold signature was was a, a huge advancement in cryptography i mean it has its pros and has its cons but it's it's a game changer in, in many respects, right? And you can actually do. By the way, you can do uh, threshold signatures without rotation, and basically you're creating um, um, like new points on the elliptical curve cryptography as people leave and new people enter. 
which I think Dfinity is looking like Dfinity, the centralized computer thing. Uh, when I read their 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 doc a while back, they they said they intend to do it this way, where uh, instead of rotating, you just as new people come in, you just give them new keys, which of course has a significant problem of like, well, if you keep on giving out new keys to the same wallet over and over and over again, then eventually people who leave can can come together with enough enough of them and steal funds. So that's why the rotation is actually an important concept. I don't know why Defendi's thinking about it. No yeah, it seems a little it, strange. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's very strange. Uh, it's kind of like it, it's just like how it actually works. If people are curious about like how people talk about elliptical curve all the time, uh, and and it's how Bitcoin worked and all these other things. But what's fascinating is that how it works is that you're actually creating a, a line on a graph, right, on an X and Y graph, and either it's a, a straight line or a U shape or an S shape, and the number of signatures that are required to sign a transaction will create the, the shape itself, right? So in order to create a U-shape, you need three d- dots, right, on that on that point. If you have three dots anywhere on that graph, anywhere at any point of that, like, that U-shape, you can generate that U-shape and therefore generate the private key and therefore like sign a transaction. And so the number of dots, you can have three dots on there, you can have four dots on there, you can have 100 dots on there, but three are only required, any three are any required to create that U shape to, to, you know, sign a transaction. And so uh, effectively what they're, what they, what they were doing is it's creating more and more dots and more and more dots, but you only need three to sign anything. And that in a, in a three and a U shaped local curve, you know, cryptographic perspective. So it's like, and, and in ThorChain's case, it's not a U shape. It's actually a very, very complex shape because it's, you know, uh, 13, I think 12 or 13 um, minimum dots. So that would be a very complex shape. But, but anyways, just if you want or curious to understand the cryptography behind all this stuff, because it is, it is pretty fascinating. Yeah. I'd love to see that graph actually, because like I like uh, only tangentially understand some of this stuff. So I would love to see some more info about how the TSS vaults actually, actually work. Like the cryptography of it. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know what the shape is that that the Asgard's vaults make with their cryptographic um, dots that they have. <laughs> I actually don't even know what the shape even looks like. To be honest with you, it, it gets very complex in a way that my brain can, you know, think of it. Yeah. Once once you, once you get beyond like you know four or five dots, my my brain can no longer really accomplish the task. <laughs> Sweet. Any uh, anything else? We got AVAX launch, next chain, a single-sided yield. Uh, those are all the all the big things, I think. Yeah, the other thing is um, now that single-sided is completed in terms of the code base, and now it goes on to like the vetting and testing period. Um, I'm pushing my my focus back onto order books and uh, getting that finished. Hopefully soon. We'll see how fast it goes. But um, order books is my next kind of major thing that I'm working on towards um, uh, working on for, for major features for Thorchain. And then after that, I think uh, we're start having the conversation again in the community about Thorify and about whether or not we want to move forward with it or 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 cancel it or or fork it to a new chain that has this experimental features or keep it on the the main chain, like who knows, like that becomes a, a discussion and debate within the community of what we feel is the best way of moving forward. Cool. Cool. So uh, we'll, we'll let people up for some questions. There's someone that has been requesting for a while. Let's add them up. If, if anyone else has questions, you can just hit the button, the button in the bottom left, or you can type in the, uh, a comment under the thing on the right. All right. Did it freeze or, oh, there we go. Is this working? 
Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, oh, there we go. G- uh, G- yeah, GS. What's up, man? Mike is, uh, now Mike is on. Uh, all right, sir. Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, sir, I have a question about uh, use case of Thorchain Dex. Uh, as you see, right now, uh, people are not taking initiative its use case. So, sir, how much is going to be uh, useful in future of DeFi world? I don't think I understood any of that. Uh, actually, sir, I want to say about uh, the use, useful cassage of the uh, Thorchain Dex. Uh, people are not uh, taking initiative in these days. So, um, I want to know about uh, what is the future of uh, future usage of DeFi in DeFi world. Right. So, what what is the utility of Thor? Like, what does Thorchain do? Basically, I, I think I think Chad has a good handle on that. <laughs> Uh, what does Thorchain do? And I think he also asked, what is the future of DeFi? Kind of which is very... Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. Um, what is the useful cases of uh, Thorchain DEX in DeFi world? Um, <laughs> uh, so Thorchain is uh, currently it's the only protocol in the world that is able to do, to do what it does. And that is the ability to transact value between uh, from any chain to any chain. So it can transact value between Bitcoin to Ethereum to, to BNB to Doge to AVAX, uh, Haven potentially. Uh, and that does it in a way that doesn't require any KYC or permission. And it has, you know, it's, it can be integrated with any and all uh, UIs and DEXs and that kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's value that it's, it's going to create more of a, a universal feel within crypto and make it so that everybody has access to whatever tokens they want whenever the hell they want it. Yeah, so like if you go on in so Thorchain is a protocol that anyone can use to make their own cross-chain service. So if you go on a front end like ThorSwap, you can see all the all the products that are offered by Thorchain. It's just it swaps transacting value across change across chains. So you have you have Bitcoin, you want Ethereum, then you could swap it right there and instead of signing up for for a centralized exchange and using that or the new aggregators you can swap from an ERC20 token to a to an avalanche ARC twenty token, uh, it, it's all about you know cross chain swaps without without bridges and uh, you know it, it includes Bitcoin, which is something that that only Thorchain does and, and can do at the moment. Which is crazy to think about because we've been around for years. We first launched the earliest form of the network two years ago, over two years ago, and we launched Bitcoin support over a year ago, and still to this day, we're the only ones that do what we do. And there are forks that people are working and been talking about forking for a while, but it's it's almost crazy to me that we're still the only, only players in the field. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it is just, it's just too hard. Like, you need uh, like a lot of people that are working, you know, full time on on this problem, right? And it's like that. Thorchain has a huge advantage because the ecosystem and the community. Like, it's not just the, the core protocol that's building something. It's uh, you know, there's a ThorSwap team. There's every single other front end that that uses ThorChain, and there's people that are trying to build new products on top of Thor. Like, there, there's a there's a big community around it. So it's not just like you know someone developing a protocol, uh, you know, for for no use case. There's people actually developing, you know, th- their own their own front ends that use that use ThorChain and you know that provide actual actual revenue. Because like a lot of these things that are in development, like who's going to join a, a team that doesn't have uh, you know, that doesn't have funding and isn't isn't live yet. You're not gonna you're gonna you know spend spend your time creating a front end for something that isn't isn't even around right now, or uh, you know something that actually has like a, a product that works uh, for cross chain value. So yeah, not only that, though, every everybody who is trying to compete with Thorchain is taking Thorchain's design. Like a, 
making a small, a couple minor tweaks to it, uh, and maybe re-implementing it in a different language for no valuable reason whatsoever. But like, was surprising to me is that is that you know, Thorchain's first white paper came out. I don't know how many years ago it was, and to this day, there hasn't been a competing concept of an of an or an approach that has made any sense at all that people are willing to, to, to work on. So all the the competitors I'm aware of, and there's like, you know, quite a few that are in development, uh, they're all forks of Thorchain. Either forks of the code itself or forks of the white paper, which is surprising because I remember when I was actually, you know, in the early days when I was uh, architecting and designing the system with a bunch of, with uh, other people in the core team, I always wondered to myself, like, is there something we're missing? Is there, is there a completely different approach to this that we haven't thought of or, you know, being kind of fascinated by other ways of kind of approaching the same issue. And to this day, like I haven't seen anything that's different, that any, any completely different idea of approaching the issue as a, as a whole, which is surprising me. I thought somebody would come up with something, but I, that's just, that's not happened yet. Yeah, I understood uh, very well. Uh, sir, one more question about that. Uh, this, uh, around uh, one month ago, the CZ Binance tweet that uh, do not trust a project uh, who represents two or more tokens with the same project. Uh, sorry, you have represent uh, uh, the Rune and the Thor. So, the complicated things uh, which I have been taking, can you clear it? Okay, so like kind of what I was saying before about about ThorSwap being a front end and uh, ThorChain being like a, a protocol. So, Thor, ThorChain is a protocol that anyone can interface with. And Thor Swap, with their their token is called Thor. Uh, it's a it's a separate project, but it it's a, it uses Thorchain to power its own services. So Thor Swap is a Dex that uses Thorchain to power its swap engine. Basically, uh, it, it uses Thorchain to make the swap. But Thor, Thorchain is you know its own separate team and product. Like we we uh, in the community, like we work closely with them. But they're they're you know it's a separate entity that issues that. Uh, that Thor token. Well, Rune is the only is the only token for for Thor chain itself. Uh, so so Thor Thor is just something by by a different team. It's by by a front end that uses uh, that uses Thor chain. So it's not uh, it, you know it, 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 it is kind of confusing, but they're not uh, really that that similar. Okay, it's a different uh, Thor swap and uh, Thor chain is different. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sweet, thanks, man. Uh, I was because I I have been holding June since a year when it was at ten dollar and still holding. Hey, our wizard, what's up, man? Hey, uh, so based on the uh, institutions that you guys are talking to, do you have? Uh, I'm not sure if this was covered. Do you have an idea of how much liquidity they'd like to add? Um, no, they never insinuate how much. They kind of told us how much liquid they have in general uh, at a high level, but never told us what quantity they're willing to put into the system. At least not that I can recall. Um, I didn't even bother asking that question. I just thought that'd be more too private of a, of a question to ask in some sense. But a lot of those institutions aren't really around anymore, so it's <laughs> they're not going to be doing it now. But other ones, will, well, I'm sure, will step up in their place. Yeah, I mean, especially like this is this is the only DeFi product that offers single-sided Bitcoin yield. So uh, we we uh, can see that there's quite a bit of appetite for that type of of, of products, right? There, there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different institutions that are really interested in. They have they have a lot of a lot of Bitcoin or ETH or, or whatever, and they they want to they want to yield on it with no exposure to anything else. So. Um, there, there's a lot of institutions that are very interested in, uh, 
these products and they, you know, they might dip a toe in the water first and then, you know, put, put more in later. But, uh, you know, that's what, that's what we're hoping for to get, you know, more, more of these types of institutions on board with, with door chain and single side deals. For sure. Um, so I, I was reading the, uh, doc by door chain, I think university or something, uh, it's like one of the community members. And, um, from what I understand, is it going to be possible for whoever to put as much liquidity as they want right away? Or is that going to be a step-by-step process where there's a queue and then depending on how much can be matched up and then is, is that how it works or is it you can just throw in as much as you want right away? So there, there might be a cap based on how much uh, protocol and liquidity that that's being allowed. So it, like we, we might it might start off where protocol and liquidity is limited and there's only a certain amount that can be issued just to, you know, just to make sure that there's no no issues. So that way we can uh, you know step it up over time. So protocol and liquidity is what allows synths to scale. And then uh, if, if you have synths, you, you'll be able to just lock that in for, for yield. But the, the issue is just making sure that synths can be scaled safely. So uh that 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 parameter will be walked up over time as as you know as it's proven safe and you know we can uh we can use that to kind of throttle the the single side deal a little bit at the beginning all right thank you so much yeah have you th- chad have you thought about how much um protocol and liquidity you'd like to see from the start like just like uh as a, a like a ballpark number of how much we we want to see added because because right now um there's only maybe a couple of pools that are near the synth cap and protocol and liquidity it adds liquidity to the liquidity pools uh based on how much the synth utilization is happening so if, if there's a lot of synth utilization the protocol starts adding in uh adding in rune and bu- buying liquidity positions basically to increase this that synth cap to scale um the amount of synths that can be minted. So have you thought about how much, uh, you know, you'd, you'd want to start with for protocol and liquidity? Um, my first thought was like a million room of a million of the, the reserve has like, I think 170 million room or something like this. Isn't it? And this 1 million of that to start. Um, if we were to enable protocol on liquidity today, uh, we probably wouldn't see a whole lot of activity with it. Probably not even a million room to be honest with you. Uh, because there's just not enough demand center for synthetics, which was designed like that on purpose. Um, but once we add the single side yield, that obviously changes, creates a major demand center for, for synthetic assets. So that's obviously going to change that calculus quite significantly. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking for starters, like a million room, and we'll keep our kind of thumb on it and, and kind of keep track of it and make sure it's all uh, doing what it's doing correctly. And then we'll it inch it up with time, I guess. Yeah, that's the key. Starting starting small and just like scaling it up once we've once it's like that's a, it's a standard test of time. I, I mean that that's kind of we we've kind of like uh you know talked on the edge of that a, a little bit, but like yeah, that's that's really one of the most important important things is just you know being able to be battle hardened in in production, right? Like uh like features features live, but you know they don't just go go all out from the start because you know that could be a recipe for failure. But you know scaling up scaling up slowly and you know make sure it's it's working and sustainable. Like that's that's the name of the game there. Yeah, I, th- I think um, by keeping it small, we we keep the risk small. So if something goes wrong, it's not not so bad. And we can use the treasury funds to, to, to fix the problem if there's one that, re- that is potentially, you know, related other than just a bug, bug issue, a software bug. So keep it small and grow over time. Not too different than we did with ChaosNet. Anybody have any questions? They want to come on stage and ask a question? Yeah, we got the uh, DeFi infestation. What's up, man? 
Hello, guys. Can you see me? Oh, geez. You step away from the mic a little bit, but you're good. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Now, <laughs> um, I have a question. Yeah, yeah it Wait. sounds like you're screaming directly into my ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, well, um, I like. Uh, I have a question. Um, the, BTC, the BTC is a synthetic. The, the BTC that the, the that we have to deposit on the single size staking is uh, BTC. It's a synthetic type. Yes. Well, sort of. Um, you can deposit regular old BTC, layer one BTC, on the Bitcoin blockchain. The network itself will will swap it into synthetic BTC for you on your behalf, and then hold it for you on your behalf at your uh, and associated with your BC one you know Bitcoin address. So you don't actually have to acquire synthetic BTC yourself. You can just you can interact with this thing purely with a with a BC one address. You don't have to have a Thor address or even hold Byron or any of these things. You can just do it purely through <coughs> transactions and, and get your Bitcoin yield. Uh, okay, and you receive a shield in BTC or in that or in the synthetic BTC, not room. Yeah, you, you don't have to uh, hold synthetic BTC. The network will handle it for you. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you, guys. Have a nice day. Yeah, me too. Thanks. I hope you have a quieter day today. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I blew my ear out. I uh, know, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, anyone else that wants to uh, come up and ask a question or just say something? Uh, let me see if there's anything in the uh, in the chat section here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to be be clear, another vote is needed to get XHV on StageNet or only eventually for mainnet. Uh, the answer to that is another vote is only needed to get it onto mainnet. So once once the client is like, uh, so they, there's a bunch of things that need to happen. So uh, the client is to get ready for StageNet, which will which will take you know quite a bit of time to get uh, the Haven client ready for StageNet, and then uh, it needs to be tested on StageNet thoroughly and needs to you know sit on StageNet for a while. And then eventually the nodes will vote whether to move it on to mainnet or not. And uh, a super majority, over 66%, need to uh, adopt that uh, proposal in order to have it uh, move to live on mainnet. So no, no more voting needs to happen until it's already live on StageNet and like ready to make that uh, last step or not. Like that, That's the final... like like go or no go for whether to make it live or not. And it's also not like a times thing that will that's just a, like once it's ready, uh, if once that proposal ever reaches a, a super majority, then it's, uh, you know, it, it becomes, uh, it, it, you know, it moves into that, the, that space where it goes live on, on mainnet. So. Absolutely. Oh, there we go. All right. Um, Hey guys. So, I've been with the Thorchain ecosystem for a long time. Really love what they're building. Well, what you are building, I should say. Um, it's just, you know, it's so volatile as an asset. And I'm just wondering, aside from new product launch, are you seeing anything that people are extremely resistant to? Is it still just the relics of the exploits of yesteryear? Like, I would just love to know, like, what you think is creating such headwinds because the tech is awesome. Uh, good question to ask. Um I guess if you get you could ask fifty people and get different answers. Uh, but my answer is that um, I have the only time I, I get strife from people about Thorchain or, or some hang up or whatever it is um, is about the hacks that occurred over a year ago. 
to this day, I still get questions sometimes when I do like interviews or, or, or podcasts or whatever uh, from people. And often, sometimes when I meet people and they're like, oh, and I explain that I work a part of the Torchain project. They're like, oh, I've heard of it. I heard they got hacked. And that's like the only thing they know about it. They don't even know what it is or what it does, but they know that it got hacked, <laughs> which is kind of comical to me. But uh, that's, I think that's probably the biggest inhibitor to it. Um, I think the other problem that we run into that is not really a problem, but is that like a lot of other projects have these very kind of um, flash in the pan, firework type economic model where they just kind of like, create a lot of hysteria and uh, euphoria rather um, around their project just through kind of um, sketchy means in my opinion. And so they tend to get more, more like kind of, you know, publicity and more kind of focus and these kind of things. And, and for people who are in crypto to make a quick buck or become, you know, Lambo, um, you know, people, uh, they kind of are more attracted to those kind of projects because they kind of promise high yields and so over here you get a hundred thousand percent APY and don't question it for some weird and uh, and dumb reason. Thorchain is more of a fundamentals project. It's more uh, taking a, a fundamentals look at how we can solve significant problems in the industry as a whole. And so because of that, you know, it doesn't attract some people, which doesn't cause the, the uh, hysteria that you see around other products like home or even like Terra had a lot of hysterics around it because of this 20% fixed rate, you know, stuff that was unsustainable and, and economically insolvent. And, and so like we just constantly have other products kind of get their more attention. But I think that's going to change and shift over time. And I, I don't think we necessarily, we necessarily have to get much attention. I think the only thing we have to do really is just get integrations going. Um, and then integrations itself will kind of just create a lot of uh, trade volume and, and, and value to the network. And we don't have to become uh, necessarily a household name. We'll just become integrated in everything that is a household name. And then and, and from that, uh, abstract huge quantities of value and, and, and that kind of stuff. That makes sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, I think the message is keep spreading the love and the message and integrate and go. I, I mean, I love the branding. Go boring, right? That's awesome. But thank you so much. Yeah, I'd be curious actually where Ryan thinks about that question if he's got a different viewpoint. Oh, uh, hey all, um, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, sorry, what was the what was the question there? So, uh, you, you, basically, just saying, like, are you seeing anything in particular that's causing the reluctance of the masses to? come to the project basically like how do we how yeah. do we, as a community help it get stickier yeah that's a great question so um just as a preface uh, I, I wanted to pop on to give an update on integrations and this kind of dovetails right in there so like thorchain thorchain is a complex beast and uh you know making sure that that folks understand how or like what what the capabilities are is always kind of a uh, is a real communications challenge. Um, so I think like the more like we've got some great communicators in the in the community and and taking the time to like break things down into small uh, bites to be able to help folks understand, I think is is all um, all part of this process. And, you know, it's it's easy to like anchor on the fact that that the hacks occurred and, uh, you know, folks aren't going to read more than the headline and and trying to make sure that we have uh you know comms out there that are um talking about you know like the tech and and why it's important and you know what the capabilities are i think is really huge the other other aspect of this is also just a feature sets that are easier to comprehend like the single-sided yield and those sorts of things you know it's kind of meeting the user uh, where the where we have like 
big UX wins, um, you know, that reduce complexity and all that sort of stuff as well. So, so I think it's like, you know, from the integration side, it's very much, you know, how do we explain what ThorChain's capability capabilities are and like what the payoff is for their users um, has been, has been an interesting learning experience in terms of like what, what ends up resonating with people. Um, but does that, does that kind of get at your question? Yeah, absolutely. One more, if I could tack onto that, will single-sided exist in UIs outside of like proprietary ThorChain user interfaces? Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no, like, there's no barrier here. If folks want to add it, um, it will drive, it will drive a a volume and provide, you know, good, uh, a good service for your users, like no reason not to. Um, I'm also excited to see what people compose on top of it. You know, I think it would be really cool to have, uh, um, you know, protocols that, that, are leveraging the yields generated from single-sided in, in other things as well. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's probably going to be a good uh, product for like centralized exchanges to utilize because they have all this capital sitting on their, you know, in their storage, um, you know, whether it be Bitcoin or some, some other asset, and they can just offer to their users, which they already are to some extent, but then they're just, and they're kind of like pushing it out into various DeFi protocols to get a yield on their Ethereum or Tether or whatever. And this just becomes like another mechanism for them to earn yield, except it allows you to earn yield on other assets that are not, you know, uh, part of an EDM uh, like Doge and Bitcoin and whatnot. And that's going to be, I think, quite valuable for a lot of these centralized exchanges and, and, and services like this, right? So I do expect this to become a well-utilized tool uh, in the industry in general. But the main blocker, in my viewpoint, of getting it to that place is 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 the is the bond. Is like how much you know capital can the network actually take and, and maintain economic security? And so, in this feature might be um, way more popular than what the actual security the ne- security network can even handle. Uh, which then becomes the question of like, well, how do we how do we scale up the bond side of things? That becomes another topic of discussion and so forth and so on. But like, I think that's going to be probably the biggest challenge for for this feature sometimes. So go, going back a little bit to your other question, um, I, I think some of the problem is just the crypto media in general and how crypto media is very like. Uh, I don't know. They, they only like to focus on certain events. Like they, they like to focus on, you know, ex, the, obviously exploits is, is a huge thing. So like, um, like when Thorchain launched, for example, like it's not like there was some big, you know, media fanfare from like, oh my God, look, cross chain swaps. It's, oh no, look, look at Rune's price. It's, you know, Rune is like $20 or whatever, like April, 2021. So it's, like, I, I think it's part of that. Um, you know, the, the like buzz that you're trying to talk about, it's it's so price related and related to to certain events uh, that are just big in the media, like like how like mainstream media, it's like you know it uh, it like they you know they like to talk about like violence and you know like specific topics that drive a lot of clicks and engagement. In crypto media, they like to talk about price exploits and then like what the people who are like in in that like zeitgeist are saying and feeling. And usually that means like the people who are the, the heads of projects of, you know, of highly priced projects that people have made a lot of money on. Like, you know, any, any crypto news outlet, they're going to report anything that Vitalik says. They're going to report anything that like, a, like SBF says, or like CZ says, you know, um, I, I think that's a huge 
a huge problem and something that we've been working on a lot, just like with our like own media and just like making things more like technology focused and like what's being built here rather than, uh, you know, just like price. Because uh, there's so many different thought leaders that are here in the ThorChain space and uh, just something that's not focused on enough. So I think it's a part of that, just a problem with the, the crypto media as a whole. Yeah, I remember when we when Multichain launched, and that was a significant moment in like crypto history, in my opinion, just because it was a significant shift of what was possible in the industry that wasn't even feasible before. And that day, I think, or maybe it was the previous day, like Coinbase had their like IPO, and so the media was just like fixated on like Coinbase IPO and all these like this information about that. Which in hindsight, like, who gives a shit? Like that was just you know. Another company going IPO and is boring as fuck. And right. Meanwhile, you know, we launched as a community, we launched something that was would, would fundamentally forever change the future of this entire industry. And it's been in a non-trivial way. And so I remember I was talking, I think it was Eric Voorhees at the time. And we actually talked about this very topic about how everybody's focused on the Coinbase IPO. And Eric's just like, this is so much, ThorChain launching is so much a larger thing than this Coinbase IPO. Everybody's so fixated that you know, in 10 years or whatever, when people look back on, on the times, like this is a, this is actually the event they will remember is Thorchain launch being a significant moment in crypto history. Not so much, uh, you know, uh, Brian Armstrong ringing the bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I totally forgot about that, but you're right. It was like the same day or this, it was within the same week. It was like one or two days apart. And that, that was on the top of everybody's mind. Like the, you know, Coinbase, Coinbase, it's all about the, the big names and branding and just like name recognition. Right. So like, I think that's a lot of the problem with the whole like, crypto media in general. And like something that like, basically like the solution to that is just this like kind of grassroots uh like organization that that we've kind of put together where we like we do our this is how everyone does it now you, you we do our own twitter spaces we put out our own articles um and we we give like thoughtful pieces of insight to, to the media and you know do po- do our own podcasts and things like like that's the uh that, that's like the way of doing things because the actual the actual media itself they're going to do whatever they want to do and whatever's in there uh, in their realm of that's going to make them profit, right? Like that's 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 their business. Is <laughs> whoever pays them uh, gets gets to the, uh, the the top of the media, and whoever uh, whichever products have the most eyes on them, aka the most people that have invested in them, they they get the most uh, media attention. That's just the, the the way that it is. But like, it, it doesn't discount any of like the innovation that that's happening on on Thorchain and like what's being built in this cross-chain DeFi space because I, I think it's hard to report on too because like we we move so quick and it, we're a decentralized organization there's not there's not one person that can say like oh yeah Thorchain's doing this 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 and uh you know we'll have uh the, these numbers up by Q4 and like you know like where it's a very a very grassroots organized thing so it's difficult to report it like there's there's no uh we, you know, we don't get the attention that like, you know, Solana does. Right. And I think that's, there's reasons for that for sure. I'd also add on like, you know, what's, what's the perspective here? Like ThorChain is like liquidity infrastructure um, also. Right. So, you know, in some respects, not getting a ton of media attention is okay. As long as we're like continuing to, to grow um, these integrations in, in other, um, in other domains so that, you know, ThorChain becomes ubiquitous um, in my mind. Um, but just dovetailing into the kind of integrations update, 
uh, just wanted to share with folks that uh, over the past few months, uh, Aerodonis and other folks at Nine Realms have been leading the charge on on integrations uh, from you know various wallets to um, you know DEXs and other uh, DApps, and uh, it's been kind of a mixed response uh, over that period of time. You know, with the with the market conditions, you know, a lot of teams were were slow to get back to us and. I don't know something in the something in the water or the air over the past uh, weekend. Uh, everything has uh, really started to to come together. It's pretty awesome to see, and um, yeah, we're getting a ton of a uh, ton of inbound questions around how to get integrated with Thorchain, and um, yeah, just really pushing hard on all of that. And it's been awesome to just see the. Um, kind of new new learnings in terms of stuff on the protocol that we can do to improve the integration process stuff in documentation and then uh, also in uh, exchange as well um so yeah super super stoked i'm having trouble sleeping there's like so much so much coming um really 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 excited and uh, also just wanted to shout out to eridonis for a ton of perseverance in getting us to to this point by the way with those integrations the more integrations that happen it has an exponential effect on the integrations on more integrations coming downstream, right? So on day one, you're trying to explain to different random projects like, oh, this is what Thorchain does. This is how it's valuable to you and how it can add value to your project or your thing, which I've been a part of those conversations and Orion has too and they're so like, those are difficult conversations to have. Sometimes people get it instantly, like Shapeshift got it like almost instantly and and saw the value and wasn't wasn't really much very difficult to 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 sell them in a sense, but other projects they just like have no idea what we're talking about about Bitcoin. What what? But we don't have Bitcoin. Like it just became almost silly conversations. It was shocking to see how uh, how many people just struggled to understand the idea of like layer one Bitcoin was a hard thing to understand for some reason. I don't know why, but it seemed like it was. But as we add more chain, more integrations into more dexes and UIs and wallets and whatever else it becomes more and more apparent the value that it provides and it becomes more and more obvious to add it. And so like in the beginning, Orion and Iridanus and other people are going through a very arduous process, a very difficult process to get these things integrated with, with long dev cycles and competing features and things like this. But like fast forward, you know, maybe a year from now, it's just going to become uh, so um, obvious to add Thorchain into so many, so many DEXs and, and UIs that, uh, they probably won't even talk to Iridanus or Orion at all. And all of a sudden they're just going to integrate without us even being aware of it. And they'll just happen, you know, uh, in the background, which will just add more and more value uh, to our network. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, over the past few months, I've been uh, kind of holding a glass with ice, ice in the bottom, like tapping it, trying to get some out. It's like, man, this is getting really, you know, really frustrating. What else can we do to make this happen? And then all of a sudden, like all the ice is coming out all at once. So yeah, it's been, uh, been really really fun to 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 see all that happen and uh to to chad's point yeah this is all kind of compounding too because um you know it just it just ends up providing more and more utility for users across the whole the whole space and um yeah really really gets to the point where you know thorchain is liquidity infrastructure behind everything yeah we built thorchain during the bear market uh last bear market and got it working functioning the whole thing uh working this bear market will primarily focus on integrations and, and, and expanding out we, I mean, we have some big features as well obviously people would know that but uh most of this of this bear market will probably be spent you know doing integrations and such so that when the bull market starts again 
we're going to be, you know, have a multiplier on the product just because we're already in a phase with so many valuable UIs and DEXs that as they grow exponentially uh, in their in their respective right, it'll create uh, exponential value to ThorChain in a way that's just going to cause it uh, to grow quite significantly during the next bull. So it makes me super bullish. I'm mean, very excited about it. Yeah, man, the integrations front is huge, huge, huge area, and something that only there's only a couple of centralized companies that are doing this currently. And Thorchain definitely has the the power to uh, disrupt that whole model, especially with the you know affiliate fees and being able to basically um, just create more revenue for these these wallets and dexes. Uh, it it's gonna it's gonna be great. The more integrations we see, it's just gonna add more integrations, and we we get that integration avalanche as uh, as Ryan pointed out. Sweet guys. Anything else? Any anyone else want to come up? Otherwise, we can wrap up for today. I know Cam wants to come up. Cam from Delphi Digital, you're welcome to come up if you want if anything you want to say. <laughs> hey guys. Yo, Keiko. Hey man. Uh, I just wondered uh, about the B and B Beacon Chain upgrade. Um, where, where are we at with that? Uh, with our Dep uh, two assets on Thorchain. Over. Uh, yeah, so that, that kind of stuck about us a little bit. We didn't know that was that that update was coming until pretty late. Um, well, I think largely because the repo where you kind of monitor that stuff uh, changed, and they they moved the place where they notify the public about um, the daemon changes to a different location, which we didn't know, and so we, our bots missed it. Um, but yeah, the, it happened already. It happened last night. It seemed like it actually went pretty smoothly and. I don't think we even need necessarily needed to upgrade the, the Binance chain daemon. Uh, I think it still worked either way. So it's kind of a non-issue. Okay. Thank you. Hey, uh, thanks chat for the call out. Um, I just landed or like my, I was, uh, I was on a flight and just landed and saw the space and participated. So I missed all of it. So unfortunately I won't be able to like speak to what you guys discussed. Um, but I, I, I was just like at the Stanford, um, Stanford Science of Blockchain conference, and like they were pretty much like the the, the whole like were there, uh, Vitalik, uh, like Zaki, like na- name anyone pretty much, um, and the most spoken topic of the, of the conference was MEV and how like how that will affect user experience uh, post merge uh, on Ethereum. And it's like very surprising to me that, um, like, like the 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 MEV solution that Thorchain like kind of decided a few years back, which is like making ordering part of the consensus, is like simply brilliant. Um, the, the topic seems like very uh, complicated, and uh, we're yet to see like implications of it really um after like the uh after ethereum like um uh, merges so um yeah just like made me once again realize that uh uh, like it was a it was a very clever decision from from the get-go for torchain yeah this is one of the comical things about that question that uh i forget the guy's name garmin or what the guy's name is before is that like all of these issues that other AMMs are struggling with, like MEV, for example, MEV, like we solved a long fucking time ago. <laughs> it just makes you feel like we're just like years ahead of everybody else and, and so and so many respects, not just MEV, but like 
other ways as well in terms of our capital efficiency. Uh, like, to, to be completely fair, I think like there's an advantage to being like application specific. You can just like you know b- bake all the ordering into state machine. Uh, like the problems like much harder on the general purpose chain. However, like it's still like uh, fascinating that it, it has been like shipped and like done and sold like years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also why it was in part why it was selected to do an app specific chain because I think we recognize that doing this on a gen- generic chain was completely impractical, improbable, and highly problematic. And, and, you know, stopped us from accomplishing so many goals. Like we wanted to solve the MEV problem. We wanted to solve cross-chain. We wanted to solve a bunch of different things, uh, efficiency, scalability, um, you know, performance. None of these things could really be solved in a, in a, in a practical way. Even though it was practical in L2 as well. So I, I think we recognize early on from a first principles perspective why um, generic chains are problematic for AMMs. Well, this is the type of MM that we wanted to work on or build up the type of problem we wanted to solve. And we kind of approached it and, and you know, did what we did. And it, I think we ended up doing something quite innovative and quite novel that um, other people haven't really quite caught up to yet. Sweet, guys. I think we can call it here. All right, brother. Good chat with you. Sweet, Chad. Thanks for everyone coming up. Yeah. Uh, Con, Orion, everybody else. That Take care, all. Yeah.